Do you see the cat? Do you see the cradle? Welcome, one and all, to another round of the book reviews. And today I have Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. And well, why did I read this book? I actually wanted to read his most famous work, Slaughterhouse-Five, but I actually found this one first. So I opted for what I could get and boy, am I glad that I read this book. It was first published in 1963 and it's a satirical novel of Armageddon, of technology and of religion. And it's narrated by John, a writer in the actual book, uh, as he does research on Felix Honecker, Honecker, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, who is known as the father of the atomic bomb. So he's this brilliant scientist who came up, uh, one of the people who helped develop the atomic bomb in this, in this novel. And then he also developed this mysterious substance called Ice-9. And Ice-9 is basically a type of particle, a flaky snowdrop type um, substance where if you drop it into water, it'll instantly freeze it. And so if you dropped even a tiny little bit into the ocean, it would entirely freeze the ocean. It would entirely freeze all the groundwater. If you touch it to your lips, it would entirely freeze all the water, all the liquids in your body. So essentially a Armageddon, you know, existential type threat this guy has created. So it follows the author as he's trying to do research on him. And he starts in his, in this hometown where um, Felix Honecker and his three children were, were born in Ilium, New York. And that part of the book is more looking at, I, I guess, developing the backstory of, of all the different characters and leading up to the more experiential part where he travels to the fictional island of San Lorenzo, which is in the Caribbean. And there it's it's more the author living through um, his own story of, of what he's explaining rather than him talking about these other characters. So I won't spoil what actually happens in the book. But that is the general plot line of, of what's happening. So some of the themes, well, Armageddon and the price of technology and development. So this book is totally absurd. It is an absurd outlook at a very dangerous situation, which is an exp- you know a threat which could control, dominate, destroy the entire world. Uh, and he I think I think he actually does a really good job of showing how psychologically, it's actually kind of healthy to have that sort of ridiculousness outlook because in a situation where you really have zero control, what's the point of worrying over it? And, you know, it just got me thinking of this was written around the time of the Cold War. And from what I've heard from people like Jordan Peterson, people who lived in that time, it was a tremendously dangerous situation, which was psychologically like, am I going to die tomorrow? Are we all going to die tomorrow? Like, Am I going to wake up dead? And it was just really interesting that I thought, you know what, this could actually be a, a valuable, vital solution of, of being able to live day to day in a situation where it's so extreme and you have no control over it. So I found that pretty interesting. It also got me thinking, could we collectively arrive at a point where we'd agree to stop? So stop the innovation, stop the technology, you know, we're all relatively healthy, healthy. We're all relatively happy. We don't want to create something more, something like an ice nine. Um, you know, I don't think the coronavirus was caused by uh, an outbreak from a, uh, an institution where they experiment with germs and stuff, but that could happen. And we've already seen like just how much that influenced our whole world. So there's things like this going on, atomic bombs. We all know about that as a threat as well. So 
it's it's just interesting thinking like could we all just get to a point personally i don't think so so if no what can we then do to i guess escape or, or mitigate the possibility of everyone dying the the whole human experience coming to an end and there are some solutions out there there's uh you know we could as elon musk wants to go to mars and colonize mars or space in general we could create better bodies for ourselves so more resilient to you know potentially putting nanotechnology in or the um whatever it is that elon musk is working on Neuralink. the there's all sorts of things that we could potentially be doing to actually enhance our own bodies the virtual reality maybe if we all just lived in vr world then we wouldn't need to create these ridiculous things in our real world so you know if we stuffed up in the vr world that's okay because we've still got the real world over here yay (laughs) or even you know backing up our brains onto computers or something like this all these you know futuristic things but there might be things we need to think about if there does get to the point where technology is so powerful that even a single person could just you know decide to drop something in into the ocean and then the entire ocean freezes over and that probably would have very serious serious uh, consequences for humanity as a whole the other main theme of the book is bokanism and the religion of the absurd so in the book there's basically the author um, as he's writing this book the narrator is talking about how he has uh, he's become a convert to bokanism which is the religion um, of the created on the island of san lorenzo by one of the two founders of the island basically and it's actually a i think there's a comparison that can be made to kekism so if you haven't heard of kekism it was basically the religion created on 4chan i think i think or at least on the internet and it was basically a nihilistic absolutely absurd you know we're going to take a pepe the frog character and turn him into this sort of demigod we're going to create all these silly rules and things that don't make make any sense they contradict each other and it actually is sort of similar to that in a, in a way which is it's it's just so silly it, it makes no sense like you'd probably not be able to practically live in, like this in the real world but maybe psychologically it, it sort of does make sense in a way and so uh, it's self-aware and a semi-curious creation to actually give purpose a meaning. So in the book, Bokanism was actually designed to give meaning to the San Lorenzians because they had such a shit life. Like they were the poorest of the poor, destitute, um, you know, ugly. They had nothing going on for them. And so they created this religion to give them some meaning, to give them some purpose in life. And that also got me thinking then, okay, is religion primarily to actually give meaning to people? And, you know, there's all sorts of things that religion does. It, um, you know, gives a, a sol- solid, structural, moral, ethical way of living in the world. The community aspect, there's all sorts of things uh, like it does psychologically and, in, and physically in the real world to help people. But it just got me thinking like perhaps the decline of religion at least in the west is due to like a lack of hardships and so i I would say if your life is harder you probably need more meaning to sort of offset that whereas you know we've we've got pretty good here like we we really lack for nothing all our hardships now are from over consumption of of things so it just got me thinking like yeah maybe that is what the main purpose of religion is it's to give a purpose to give meaning and so then if, if a new religion was, was being created nowadays, 
uh, you know, to, to compete against the Christianism, Christian, Christianity, Buddhism, um, Hinduism, whatever it is, Islam, what, what would that be like? And for me, I think it would just because of the way we have technology set up nowadays, it would need to be something that would have to be tongue in cheek. So something that didn't take as it takes itself too seriously and then maybe converts people into more serious adherents later on through some sort of trick or something like that. Just interesting. I'm not sure how I'd go personally go about creating a Karenism religion. Um, I might have to think about that. <laughs> My own observation from the book as well. Well, black humor is the best for me. I, I love that stuff. The deadpan, the satirical. That's what really hits home for me. So this book nailed nailed it. And so therefore, I, I've there was so many times in the book where I was just laughing out loud at the absurdity, the ridiculousness of what was happening. And as far as re- religions go, I got to say, Bokkanism is probably the most appealing for me. It's <laughs> in a weird way. It's so it's so ridiculous. And I'll um, there was a bunch of times in the book where I just went like, you know what? That sort of makes a little bit of sense. That that is kind of true. So here's from page zero, I guess, like the introduction to the book. Uh, Nothing in this book is true. Live by the former that make you brave and kind and healthy and happy. The books of Bokkanon. Um, one double dot five. I can't remember how to say that. And what is former? The former is the harmless untruth. So live by the harmless untruths that actually make your life better. That's actually a little bit of wisdom there. Like that makes some serious sense. So there's plenty of other times in the book where he's talking about, you know, all these sort of made up names that his caress, his um, (laughs) grandfaloon, all these different things. And I was just thinking like, yeah, you know what? That kind of makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> I could get behind this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a that was just a, a fun little thing from it as well. It's a very unique style as well that um, Kurt Vonnegut's done here. It's it's only two hundred and six pages long, and yet there is one hundred and twenty seven chapters in that. So each chapter is one, two. I think it maybe got to like four or five pages at the maximum for a for a single chapter. So it was. Um, it, it had this ability to move very rapidly from one theme to another for to go to a very quick flashback, get back onto the trail of the story, go into a side route about uh, something about Bokkanon, come back and then switch for it. Like it was just very versatile in that. So, you know, if you get bored by reading even longish books, like if a chapter is uh, more than 10 pages, this is great for you because you can literally just pick it up any point. Like you can read for a minute and have read two chapters almost. So, uh, a def- a definitely a unique style of, of reading and um, writing and reading it. So, in summary, it's a very fun, easy read that will have you laughing. I was laughing out loud so many, so many times. It's totally ridiculous uh, with biting dark humor, but actually tr- touching on serious issues, like actual serious things that you that maybe are worth considering. So, maybe it's like an introduction for the for people who who aren't used to those serious issues to actually draw them into it and be like oh yeah you know what this is i actually read a book about this um totally absurd but can still start the conversation so i would say it's satire at its finest i'm giving it an eight out of ten cat's cradle by kurt vonnegut that's a a super high rating for me and it deserves it because it is a, a very very good book i would recommend it for people who enjoyed hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy or if you've heard of the dice man um, that also 
has that same sort of feel of of touching upon ridiculous themes, but uh, there's like a structure behind it as well. It's not just random shit getting thrown in. There was an actual thought process behind this, and um, yeah, it would be it would have been very interesting. I, I believe Kurt Vonnegut's dead, dead now, but it would have been very interesting to to learn more about how he actually created this book because it is quite unique. So what's something pragmatic I'm going to take from the book as well? Well, it really got me thinking that serious issues that I have no control over, I probably should develop the capacity to have some sort of uh, absurdity or a light touch with them because there are going to be situations in your life where you can't control the situation where you, it, it, and it's going to be very serious and it's going to hurt and it's going to be painful and yet, you know, potentially the most appropriate response to that will be to have a touch, maybe not full, you know, ridiculousness, laughing at someone who has cancer or anything, but maybe having that touch of absurdity, that ridiculousness can help alleviate, at least for you psychologically, the the pain, the pressure, the stress of what's going on. So I found that quite useful and I'm, I'm going to see if I can try and implement that into my own life. That's it for today. Uh, I haven't really mentioned this before, but if you are learning Spanish, if you enjoy Spanish, I actually have another channel where I do reviews of these same books. So if you wanted to practice your Spanish or or see how my Spanish is, mine's okay, but it's not super great. I struggle a little bit because I'm talking about, yeah, very different themes than I talk about in my normal everyday Spanish practice. So it is a little bit, yeah, how you going, but uh, if, if you enjoy that, you can check out the Mere Mortal Michael channel, or it's actually called Resenias de Michael, which is uh, Michael's reviews. Uh, that's on YouTube and also on the podcasting platform. So if you wanted to that, other than that, other Mere Mortal content, if you could leave a review, that'd be awesome. And yeah, I'll leave it for there. If you have any book recommendations, if you think uh, I would enjoy another book based on how much I enjoyed this one, leave it in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or reach us to, out to us on our Instagram. And that's it for today. Busy, 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 as Bokanon would say. Karen out.